Chapter Two of the Flight of the Shadow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Flight of the Shadow by George MacDonald. Chapter Two Miss Martha Moon. Let me look back and see what first things I remember. All about my uncle first, but I keep him to the last. Next, all about Rover, the dog though for roving I hardly remember him away from my side. Alas, he did not live to come into the story, but I must mention him here, for I shall not write another book, and in the briefest summary of my childhood to make no allusion to him would be disloyalty. I almost believe that at one period, had I been set to say who I was, I should have included Rover as an essential part of myself. His tail was my tail, his legs were my legs, his tongue was my tongue so much more did i as we gambled together seem conscious of his joy than of my own surely among other and greater mercies i shall find him again the next person i see busy about the place now here now there in the house and seldom outside it is miss martha moon the house is large built at a time when the family was one of consequence and there was always much to be done in it the largest room in it is now called the kitchen but was doubtless called the hall when it was first built this was miss martha moon's headquarters she was my uncle's second cousin and as he always called her martha so did i without rebuke every one else about the place called her miss martha of much greater worth and much more genuine refinement than tens of thousands the world calls ladies she never claimed the distinction indeed she strongly objected to it if you had said or implied she was a lady she would have shrunk as from a covert reflection on the quality of her work had she known certain of such as nowadays call themselves lady helps i could have understood her objection i think however it came from a stern adherence to the factness if i may coin a word of things she never called a lie a fib when she was angry she always held her tongue she feared being unfair she had indeed a rare power of silence to this day i do not know but am nevertheless sure that by an instinct of understanding she saw into my uncle's trouble and described more or less plainly the secret of it while yet she never even alluded to the existence of such a trouble she had a regard for woman's dignity as profound as silent she was not of those that prate or rave about their rights forget their duties and care only for what they count their victories she declared herself dead against marriage one day while yet hardly more than a child i said to her thoughtfully i wonder why you hate gentlemen martha hate em what on earth makes you say such a wicked thing orby she answered hate em the poor dears i love em what did you ever see to make you think i hated your uncle now oh of course uncle i returned for my uncle was all the world to me nobody could hate uncle she'd be a bad woman anyhow that did rejoined martha but did anybody ever hate the person that couldn't do without her orby my name suggested by my uncle because my mother died at birth was a curious one i believe he made it himself belorba it was and it means fair orphan i don't know martha i replied well you watch and see she returned do you think i would stay here and work from morning to night if i hadn't some reason for it oh i like work she went on i don't deny that i should be miserable if i didn't work but i'm not bound to this sort of work i have money of my own and i'm no beggar for house-room 
but rather than leave your uncle poor man i would do the work of a ploughman for him then why don't you marry him martha i said with innocent impertinence marry him i wouldn't marry him for ten thousand pounds child why not if you love him so much i'm sure he wouldn't mind marry him repeated miss martha and stood looking at me as if here at last was a creature she could not understand marry the poor dear man and make him miserable i could love any man better than that just you open your eyes my dear and see what goes on about you do you see so many men made happy by their wives i don't say it's all the wives fault poor things but the fact's the same there's the poor husbands all the time trying hard to bear it what with the babies and the headaches and the rest of it that's what it comes to the husbands are not happy no no a woman can do better for a man than marry him but mayn't it be the husband's fault sometimes martha it may but what better is it for that what better is the wife for knowing it or how much happier the husband for not knowing it as soon as you come to weighing who's in fault and counting how much it's all up with the marriage there's no more comfort in life for either of them women are sent into the world to make men happy i was sent to your uncle and i'm trying to do my duty it's nothing to me what other women think i'm here to serve your uncle what comes of me i don't care so long as i do my work and don't keep him waiting that made me for it you may think it a small thing to make a man happy i don't god thought him worth making and he wouldn't be if he was miserable i've seen one woman make ten men unhappy i know my calling orby nothing would make me marry one of them poor things but if they all said as you do martha no doubt the world would come to an end but it would go out singing not crying i don't see that would matter there would be enough to make each other happy in heaven and the lord could make more as they were wanted uncle says it takes god a long time to make a man i ventured to remark miss martha was silent for a moment she did not see how my remark bore on the matter at hand but she had such respect for anything my uncle said that when she did not grasp it she held her peace anyhow there's no fear of it for the present she answered you heard the screed of bands last sunday i thought you would have a better idea of miss martha moon from hearing her talk than from any talk about her to hear one talk is better than to see one but i would not have you think that she often spoke at such length she was in truth a woman of few words never troubled or troubling with any verbal catarrh especially silent she was when any one she loved was in distress i have seen her stand moveless for moments with a look that was the incarnation of essential motherhood as if her eyes were swallowing up sorrow as if her soul was ready to be the sacrifice for sin then she would turn away with a droop of the eyelids that seemed to say she saw what it was but saw also how little she could do for it oh the depth of the love trouble in those eyes of hers martha never set herself to teach me anything but i could not know martha without learning something from the genuine human heart i gathered from her by unconscious assimilation possibly a spiritual action analogous to exosmose and endosmose takes place between certain souls end of chapter 2